Hello everyone, welcome to FS Changemakers. And as usual, we have an awesome woman joining us to share her awesome story. While a lot of times we talk to a lot of corporate women who talk about their journeys across startups or big companies, uh, we wanted to do something different this time around. And we have a professional juggler and bartender called Amy Shroff who's joined us. Uh, Amy has been doing this professionally since 2003 and she was one of the first two bartenders uh, in India to start doing this professionally. Uh, she's been judged as the best bartender in India multiple times. Uh, 2018 was once that she won it uh, for the Times Food and Lifestyle Awards. And it's an absolute pleasure to have her and uh, talk to her about her journey and get to know her better. Uh, Amy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Adarsh. It's a pleasure to be uh, yeah, excited for this. So, Amy, first things first, how did you end up becoming uh, a bartender? It's a slightly non, uh, you know, obvious uh, career choice. Um, so it, uh, I was I was 18 back then and it just seemed like a fascinating profession to enter into. But I think when I started, it was just like a fun thing to do. It wasn't so much like I was, this is going to be my career or I didn't plan it too much. And I just sort of entered it. Uh, me and a, my very good friend Delnaz were like in college and this was something we were doing alongside with college. And we got to travel with it, got to meet some interesting people. And uh, it all just seemed very fascinating, uh, a very new profession. Flair bartending was very new. Um, Flair had just sort of started in India. There were very few bartenders doing it. So that was what pulled me towards the prof profession. And I kind of learned on the job, learned from different bartenders. Back then, I think YouTube and these videos, online videos just started, sort of had come out back in 2003. And um, there was so much information that one could learn from, from the internet. And it was all just, it was, it was interesting, you know, so there's so much that I picked up from just watching videos and practicing. And uh, yeah, then opportunities kind of came our way and uh, it became a career option somewhere along the line, you know, once we started. I think yeah. it'll be great if you can share with uh, our audience that what's the difference between a normal bartender and a flair bartender. Yeah, so flair bartending is just adding flair to bartending. It's just making it more visually exciting, more um, more in control for the bartender, whatever objects the bartender is playing with, is utilizing behind the bar, she or he can like may add some more finesse to that object, like manipulate the object in ways that you wouldn't think otherwise. Instead of just taking a bottle and pouring, it's simple. You know, it's just about picking it up stylishly, maybe doing a little twirl and then going for a pour making your pour as well precise uh, to the ML that you wanted um, without spilling anything outside. You know, just that kind of precision is also flair. It just when something is done with such ease and it looks really good, um, it seems like the person's been doing it so many times that they've gotten so good at it. That is flair. So I think the person, when the naan or the pizza um, uh, chef spins the pizza around or the naan bread around, that's that looks like flair. You know, when uh, even the coffee or the tea, when you see a long pour that they do, that is flair. It's just doing something so often that you become so good at it. It just happens so smoothly and it looks beautiful to watch. And that is flair. And uh, at what time did you realize that player bartending could be a career in itself? Um, I think shortly in the beginning itself of, um, of 
when I started practicing a flair bartending, but I think in the beginning, I wasn't sure if this is going to be my career option or if this is something I'm going to do for many years to come, you know? So initially it was something fun. It was something exciting and I wanted to get better at and I wanted to learn about. But I mean, when I was 17, 18, I wasn't so career oriented or I wasn't planning what my career is going to be. Okay, my 10 year plan. And I didn't have it so structured, but it kind of just, um, it kept it kept continuing and I didn't sort of stop, you know, uh, so flair bartending started when I was 18 and I was in college and the first few years we were kind of learning, getting an idea of how things work, how events work, how to talk to clients, how to follow up for your money and uh, how the life of a freelancer in those aspects as well, you know, how there's work involved to get work as well. Um, these little things I kind of just learned on the job. It was a, it was a great learning experience as well. Um, then competing in competitions, you know, so the competition will have a certain criteria, you will be preparing in a certain structure, like uh, maybe there's um, a certain topic that you have to prepare a cocktail around, or if there is a flare routine, a flare competition, and it's a five minute time duration, you have to perform a flare routine in. Um, so all these things would motivate me to practice in a specific direction, learn a little more, improve my skill sets. And um, that also got a lot of opportunities, these kind of platforms where there were competitions, there are lots of people from the industry come, the, you meet other people, get ideas as well. Um, some people give you job offers over there, some things are interesting, you take them up. You know, so it kind of just keeps continuing from there, but uh, I, there wasn't a particular point I said, okay, this is gonna become my career. It just sort of happened that way, yeah. And what was the reaction of your parents and those around you when you decided uh, to take this route? Um, so initially they were concerned. My dad especially was, he was always concerned, especially because I would go out at night. I would be roaming around sometimes. I would be doing these things, which he would be constantly worried about me. Uh, yeah, I did not understand the safety concerns that my father had when I was young, especially. And I, I, didn't, realize, I didn't realize like the world is actually so unsafe in, in so many ways. But um, I, I also, I think, I feel like that's what made me more confident as well. Stepping out at night, you know, being out uh, in spaces where it's mostly men, um, understanding how, understanding these small subtleties of like how the vibe is, how safe you feel, how safe you don't feel, all these little things. Uh, it helped me grow as a person, made me stronger, made me more confident as well. And I think being behind the bar uh, also added so much to, my growth or my learning uh, and my development in a certain way. It gave me this confidence of, you know, just being behind the bar, being in control. Um, so even though the world might be uh, still very sexist, very messed up, not so safe, such a safe place for women and many genders uh, who are not men, um, I, I, th I still think like it's, it's these little things that kind of make us more prepared and more confident to step out there. And the more we step out, like the safer it gets, you know? So um, initially my parents did have a concern about all these aspects, but as I, they saw that I'm doing this, they, they, my dad was a little more confident that, okay, it's safe because so far she's been fine. And uh, as long as I think he knows where I'm working and who I'm working with for all those details, like he was a little more uh, at ease and yeah, and I think it was helpful as well. Initially, my dad would get sometimes involved as well, asking the clients or asking a few details like, okay, what about the drawback? What time is it going to get over? Certain questions which I might have overlooked otherwise, you know? So it's good to have these aspects, especially in the beginning, 
uh, when you're entering a profession, like to, to have that, uh, um, yeah, being taken care of, especially for women in a male-dominated space or in hospitality or working late in the nights, ask these questions, ask for things to be arranged or organized for yourself so that it's safe, so that it's comfortable. Um, yeah, and this is some a protocol that places and venues need to take so that the staff feels uh, good, you know, and comfortable. And this is just how it should be. Yeah. So 2003 was still uh, pretty early days in terms of fair bartending in India, right? So where, so you mentioned that YouTube videos, etc. played a big role. In fact, I think at that time, YouTube uh, also wasn't there, right? So online videos uh, yeah. played some yeah. role uh, in the way you learned. But uh, were there any mentors or people that you were uh, able to take guidance from? Um, yeah, so there were two bartenders. Whom, the first two bartenders I met, uh, there was Ankit Nigandi and Sean D'Souza. Sean, oh yeah. Uh, and uh, my first, our first set of events was in Goa, where we learned a lot. So one month we were working there, assisting them sort of learning on the job, asking questions. Uh, that's how it started. But right now there are so many bartending schools. Even back then there were a few, but I think it's easier for a person to approach it by getting a little training uh, before they enter the profession. It just, you feel a little more confident, which I think I missed out on, uh, which is fine. Uh, I kind of learned on the job. I learned it from books. I learned through asking questions and videos, uh, various different spaces. Uh, but yeah, if you do a course, it's a one month, three month training that one goes through and they get an, a good rounded understanding of cocktails, of alcohol, of basics, of bartending, the different tools we use, all the different aspects we need to know. And uh, then when you enter the field, you know, you don't feel so lost in there. So I think that's a better approach for one to take, but you, it's most of your learning will happen on the job. And that's where I learned so much. Uh, these two bartenders were the first bartenders I met and I learned so much of flair from them but then I was working with Marriott for a while in Bombay and in Enigma and there were some amazing flair bartenders there as well and there were two flair bartenders where I again learned a lot from Ryan and Damien so it's uh, there were these few people in the beginning of my career especially who um, I took so much information from I, I tried and learned as much as I could uh, and yeah that was like the molding of my starting of my career and yeah then things just kind of flowed then the, the, then even people I met like briefly for one day there's something you learn always you know a little something that you learn from here and there even people who are not bartenders sometimes just artists uh, musicians and event people how they work how they function you know just getting bits of inspiration here and there it's um, there's something to learn from so many spaces even if it's not your profession yeah uh, and in general, uh, non-male representation is a big issue across professions, uh, especially in India. And I'm assuming that in your profession, it's even more, right? Because of all mm -hmm. the challenges that you mentioned. Uh, have you seen any uh, markable changes happen from 2003 to now? Or it's largely the same? Yeah, it has. Uh, in, in, a, in an aspect, it has, you have so many more women than back in 2003 in the industry today but then the industry has also grown a lot since 2003 so you have a lot more men as well in the industry so if you see the ratio of men is to women is the same i i presume it's hardly changed if at all like maybe a percent up and down but um, but while the industry is at the same time growing and the ratio is the same but you at least have this presence of a good number of women who are in the industry. They might be bartenders, they might be alcohol experts or like wine experts, and they might be working for liquor brands. 
um, yeah, they might just, they might be specializing in different fields uh, per se, you know, which is connected to the bar or the alcohol industry in some way or the other. And even in hospitality, you have so many women who are entering the, the kitchen and the food space as well, which is so ironic, right? Because that's been one of the most um, common professions of India, especially for women, uh, being like the housemaker, which involves responsibilities of a chef, right? And so many more responsibilities, which is why I think that's the main reason you don't see many professions in India, especially, uh, which have a good number of women is to men. You know, it's not just hospitality, but it's all professions because we still have the most uh, popular profession in our country is the housemaker which is an unpaid profession. So as long as that remains to be an unpaid profession, it's you're not going to have people opting out of it or like, um, yeah, taking up these other spaces. It's just, an, it's, a, it's a responsibility thrown on this one gender. Uh, once like marriage and all these concepts come into place and it's what is um, the major cause, I think, of this disparity in gender equality in having uh, more men than women in most industries, um, safety concerns or whatever you call them. You know, if, if a place has more women, you, it automatically becomes safe. You know, the fact that it's unsafe is because there's a lack of women. That's the only thing that makes a space unsafe. Like if you go out at night on the streets and if you see a crowd of women in comparison to like a crowd of men, you would not feel so insecure about that space or unsafe. Even for men, they will feel safer when they go to a crowd of women rather than a crowded space with men. So it's it's just, I think that's what makes it safe. And uh, that's when we start seeing a difference in um, 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 the ratios of genders in all these professions, not just hospitality. But yeah, it's, it's very strange when I see kitchens still being male dominated and I'm like, what, how is this happening? Like, uh, otherwise, when it comes to your home responsibilities, there's so many, few men who enter the kitchen space and take up that responsibility. And that is still so warped or it's something commendable, like, oh, the guy cooks also in the house. Like, wow, what a lucky woman. Like, what a lucky, like, I don't know, you know, it's so weird. So, um, so Yeah. Interesting thing that you brought out there, right? That uh, if there are more women, you automatically, people will automatically feel safe. Similarly, yeah. when you are doing your work, does the representation or the way the crowd is, you know, more men, more women, or whatever be the construct of the crowd, uh, does that impact uh, your, uh, you know, ability to do a better job in any way? Mm, I think it impacts my mood. It impacts the vibe, the way I feel, how comfortable I feel also to a certain extent. Um, it's, it's not about just about men and women. It's about having a crowd, which is, um, I don't know, which is, which is not very sexist, which has not been brought up in a patriarchal mindset space, you know, which is, it's not such a big deal to see a woman behind the bar. Like, uh, it's not such a big deal for a woman to drink alcohol in these kind of spaces. It's like having a crowd like that to tend to is so much easier. It's so much it, like I can relate to them, right? I can have conversations also, although most often in the bar, you can't have long conversations because it's loud or it's you're busy, but it's, it's the vibe. It's that short three, four word conversation also is it's nice. The vibe, you know? Uh, politeness is another important uh, factor I give emphasis on if the guest is polite with me you know respectful 
uh, it changed. It's it's. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good space. I feel like serving them uh, with all my heart and love and. Like I'm into my work as well. I'm into what I'm making. I want them to have a good drinking experience, not wait too long at the bar, all those factors. But if you you sometimes have guests who are arrogant or who are not very respectful or polite, and I, I don't, the vibe that comes out from my side is not so nice as well. And I don't like working in that mood or that atmosphere as well. So all these little things actually impact us in some way. And uh, it's just about having um, an open-minded, inclusive crowd. And it's great to work for them. Of course, if it's uh, half women, half men, that also changes the vibe. It's the mood. Everything makes a difference. The men behave differently also when there are women around. You know, all these little factors. Then there have been some events that I've gone for. And it's been so weird because um, sometimes there are these conferences where you see a segregation of men and women. Like this, completely two different groups and they are they're couples, like their husbands and wives and people who know one another and they've come together, but they end up segregating into their like respective spaces based on gender. And most often the women are not coming to the bar to drink and it's mostly the men that I'm serving. And these one odd events, it's, it's not like something bad has happened to me. It's just, I'm judging everything and I'm analyzing and I'm getting this vibe of like how unequal this whole equation is and it's so obvious in your face so it's it's strange or like how the kids if there are children it'll mostly the children will be taken care of by the mothers rather than the fathers while the fathers are drinking it's this whole very weird atmosphere i feel yeah when i see that happening yeah so uh, you identify yourself as queer and that yes. could mean uh, different things to different people so uh would we love to uh, understand your interpretation of what do you mean when you say that you're queer? Right. So, I, I mean, I feel like it's um, there's a little, I mean, it's a spectrum of um, whom we are attracted to, what gender we identify with. Uh, I, I, I do think I identify as a woman. And um, some moments I do feel like it's somewhat non-binary also, but because um, gender is also such a construct, like it's something I'm been brought up with have I questioned it enough I, I I wonder now so it's something I need to understand for myself and on my path but when it comes to like uh, my sexual preference I think I'm somewhere in between the spectrum of lesbian and bisexual um, I would say more lesbian and very little bisexual and if that makes sense at all like attraction is something complicated to explain but um, yeah it's the way I felt for certain women, I've not felt like that for men. And although there can be a slight level of attraction, it doesn't, it's not strong enough. So I would, I would say there's a hint of bisexuality that I have in me, but I'm mostly lesbian if, if, if that's how I would like to define it. Again, these things are a little fluid and it, it kind of flows. So for some, it might not even be fluid. It depends. Yeah, for me, it's a little like somewhere in between a little here, a little there. Yeah. That's how I identify. Has that impacted uh, your choice of profession also in some way? Oh, yeah, might have. You know, I might have never uh, connected it in a, in a way, but I probably I wanted something which would have given me freedom uh, where I have control over this little space of mine. Maybe in a corporate setup or the impression was when I was a child, I think also like that the corporate setup has these rigid rules and it's very like school-like, you know, like, multiple things, you have to be dressed a certain way, you have to do things a certain way, meet deadlines, blah, blah, blah. You can't really do it in your own way as like an artist could. And I think so 
art was something which really fascinated me and even sports so as a child i think the two pro- the professions i could see myself entering or the spaces i could see myself entering were either taking up sports at a professional level which i don't see much of a career option for women in india even in cricket like one of the most popular sports of india uh, when it comes to women's cricket it's not really much of a career option and when it comes to any other sports it's yeah now now i think some women i mean some sports people have made a name for themselves in these individual sports but when you see team sports we still lag so far behind especially for women's sports um so yeah sports sports uh, was not a major career option although i did enjoy it a lot and i i i did love sports uh, i do still and um, art was some another space i thought i could fit into so i just wanted a space where i could have less rules and um, do do things more my way because i knew i would be able to do it better uh, and i would be successful at my work you know i would be good at my work so probably bartending kind of just i picked it up because flair again it seemed like such an activity right it's almost like a sport but you're playing with yourself you're not like competing with others but you're kind of using these acrobatic skills to 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 reach a certain goal of sorts and 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 it's an art form combined as well because you're making this these beautiful visuals visual presentations and you're it's an art you know just the way you, you put it together the way you go with the music the way your personality comes out like in a dance you know you're kind of dancing with these objects you find behind the bar uh, so all this really attracted me and i didn't question it too much but probably there's something about like the being queer has an impact on my personality or yeah yeah and and i think that's what also impacts the choices we make in our lives you know the books we read the movies we watch the music we listen to all these little things like choices we make the activities we take up for fun as a hobby uh, all of these add to our i think the way we do our profession the way we select our profession the way we change our profession also i've been doing this for about 17 years now and i i, I sometimes feel like i want to do i want to bartend differently from how i always have so far now and especially this pandemic i've been thinking like it's a time to like try doing something differently and um be a little more conscious in my bartending is what i want to approach with yeah so talking about you know one more aspect of bartending so be being a juggler or a bartender or a flair bartender right the immense amounts of concentration which is required right because you lapse in your concentration and the bottle is gone uh so I- how, how do you practice uh, you know mental you know or just uh, the physical exercises of the practicing it etc um so ideally discipline is i have realized discipline helps so much a person when it comes to practicing and to do some, a practice regularly is very impactful uh, i've had phases where i'm not practicing regularly and i would do it as and when i would feel like but i would realize if you give yourself a, a specific time and you're like okay i'm going to give myself at least 45 minutes of practice every day this time to this time maybe you can extend it even make make it go on for 1 hour 2 hours however long you want to practice but this regular uh, routine is very helpful for one for to see growth happening on a very fast level you know and improvement um i've had this especially during competitions before a competition i would get super motivated like the entire month or so out practicing hours in the day also and just taking short breaks and practicing going back into it because my mind was obsessed with it like i would I, it's um it's something i i'm really 
I, it comes very naturally. It's not too much of discipline that's required. But I've realized like, that's what, you don't always need to be motivated to you know, do these things that we think we want in our lives and we want to improve in. Um, just gotta create this routine of sorts of a, like a disciplined uh, flow. And that's what really helps stop like trying to wait for motivation sometimes. It's great to get, feel that motivation and that, you know, that push and then you just flow so naturally, but just to sometimes give yourself a little push and start. And then it kind of, once you start, I think after five minutes, get into the flow, you know, but it takes a few minutes to kind of get into that flow of practice. And uh, it's very important in flare bar tending, especially in any kind of skilled profession. I think it's all about practice. So uh, maybe when I'm even behind the bar and I'm multiple days back to back behind the bar, and you're making, say, the same number of cocktails or the same type of cocktails again and again, you will realize how your perfection or how your cocktail is improving or it's getting more and more perfect, more and more precise, maybe faster. Uh, yeah, maybe without le with less thought, you're just taking tuck, 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 what needs to be done. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to uh, reach out for anything. You know, it's all there. So I think efficiency improves as you keep practicing and as um, um, we repeat something again and again. And in flare bartending in mixology you kind of it's very important to have that as much as possible sometimes i have it sometimes i don't and uh, i realize i also get bummed out when i'm i'm not doing it you know when i'm i'm like why am i not just doing it like just like forget waiting for motivation like just jump into it you know just start off so yeah sometimes i need to beat myself up or like in the sense i feel really bad like why am i doing this like why am i lazing around so much let's just get on it and uh, stop procrastinating and get to it you know so then i start off maybe <laughs> have yeah. you ever done any major group ups at any of the events um yeah might have like um so once i was aiming shot and it kind of spilled a little but it's not it's 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 also it's not fully my group up i guess the person moves and these things are a little dangerous but i, I would usually keep a wet napkin in the other hand always ready and you just sort of wipe it off and it's only the alcohol that burns so the skin doesn't Nothing happens really. So if you take the right precautions, it's nothing bad is going to happen. So that was just something, a small little, these little errors, one, two moments have happened. Once I remember in the beginning time I was flaring and I was practicing behind the bar. And usually you don't practice moves you're not confident with behind the bar. Uh, you just do the moves you're really confident with. But still something can always go wrong, even with a move that you've got like bang on. But, you know, one day one, it, it slips out of your hand. So once it, uh, a bottle slipped out and it crashed on top of this entire pile of glasses. And around that time, the music slowed down. So everyone heard it. It was like very like all the attention on me. So uh, it was funny. But I think after five, ten minutes, it's OK. And yeah, except like yeah, there's some loss to the bar. But yeah, these small mistakes sometimes happen. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks uh, amy uh, so we've kind of come to the end of this discussion yeah. before we finish uh, there is a small rapid fire round that we do with all our guests and we would like yeah. to jump onto that before we finish off this interview super let's go for it cool so the first question is any pivotal moments from your life which uh, define you as the person that you are uh, i think um, so karate was a major life-changing experience of mine as a child I'd gone through it and uh, it was one of the first sports or first activities physical activities I think I'd encountered and I think it trained me so much in terms of slight discipline endurance um, up 
and um, yeah pushing forward like pain is good you know that's what it taught me in a certain way and also it was the first time i manipulated objects so in karate we learned how to manipulate the stick like the big stick twirling it around and stuff and there's a nunchaku which is like two sticks with a chain in the middle and uh, just learning these two objects the nunchaks and the stick was my introduction i think towards object manipulation the juggling arts play about ending all of these are connected and i think karate is what started it when i was like 9 or 10 years old yeah awesome so yeah. Uh, the next one is one thing about your profession that you truly love mm i think um, having my own little circle of space like behind the bar or when i'm on stage and i'm performing having that little space of my own and me being in control of that in charge of that and hopefully creating something in that space which people will appreciate and will yeah there's a reason for me to be in this space you know i serve a purpose like i like that feeling yeah one cocktail which according to you is massively underrated in the world oh underrated wow uh so negronis have gotten very popular i would have otherwise said the negroni is one delicious cocktail which uh, but now it's quite popular so i wouldn't say it's underrated i think the pina colada is quite underrated because it's a very tropical beach drink and you won't see many nightclubs and people drinking a pina colada it's a very like a a fruity drink to drink kind of thing you know it doesn't feel like alcohol even but it's such a nice delicious drink and if you make it with fresh pineapple juice and fresh coconut milk it's amazing it's like wow like so yeah the pina colada when it's made with fresh ingredients is something else it's amazing and good rum also wow basic so five wardrobe staples that you can staples that you can't live without wardrobe st- staples yeah uh there was a time i used to always wear a hairband but that's my hair was longer so my hair would come in my face and i don't like anything on my face so i wear a hairband often but now i don't and uh, otherwise in my wardrobe my wardrobe is really simple i don't have any jewelry accessories as such anymore i used to before but while contact juggling i took i don't wear any accessories on my hands so i have nothing here maybe uh, something around the neck sometimes um yeah my wardrobe's pretty much just casual just t-shirts pants a bunch of like a few jackets uh i don't have a staple as such maybe certain bags like i would have this waist pouch i would always carry around or a small bag like something like a size like this you know so uh just a small bag that i can put my wallet keys phone and that's it like yeah so maybe that's my staple my wardrobe is very basic it's not very interesting <laughs> yeah my, although another wardrobe is filled with juggling equipment and bar equipment that's way more interesting yeah three indian women that you really look up to oh wow so i, I as a child i think I, i always was very fascinated with mother teresa of course like i mean i just thought she was a very wow kind of a woman and like so much compassion it's very um it's fascinating to see so much compassion in humans um yeah uh, then jashi ki rani i remember re- reading about her rani lakshmi bai when i was a child in school and i found her like a badass woman like amazing stories that and there's such there's such few women heroes that we've learned about in our history except for these two main characters actually then there was somebody else i recently learned about thanks to mixology because of this competition that i was entering and the competition 
you have to create it around an iconic story or an iconic human or an iconic something legends of some kind and it was around the first uh, practicing woman doctor or amongst the first practicing women doctors but there were one two but i think she was the first one to like properly hardcore go at it and practice medicine in india back in the 1980s and or 1880s or something and uh, yeah back then even educating women was like not heard of and even going through like basic homeschooling or anything like it's not cool like you know women were married off at an age of 12 or before that uh, so it was she fought she fought child marriage herself she fought out of it she uh, fought in court to get out of her child marriage when the courts like made her uh, say that no you have to live with your husband she said no i will not i'd rather pay the fine or i'd rather go to jail like she was she was paras you know herself you know and uh, she yeah she completed a medical uh, she studied abroad also and then she came back in india and she was practicing till she retired till like 70 something and her name was uh, rani lakshmi bai and she seemed amazing you know so i think she was from somewhere in maharashtra and yeah so these are three iconic women i know of but i'm sure there are so many more others but we just sadly don't read about it so much in our history books rani lakshmi bai also i got to know through there's a movie and all made on her but thanks to like this cocktail i got to research so much about her and yeah i didn't know about her before that thanks for sharing yeah. that neither did i <laughs> so uh, lastly any message that you would like to give to our audience today um yeah i i, I don't know i uh, there's no one specific message i think it's just about like yeah what message calls out like there's so many of these messages which we know which are amazing motivating which make us um charge us to do the things we feel like and yeah just go for it i think you know at the end of it whatever you feel like it uh, feel like doing and if it seems weird it seems absurd it seems impossible even like uh, the, sometimes the journey is the part is the special thing of it and it's not necessarily getting to a space but uh, yeah the journey itself is exciting and yeah i don't know the advice i think is, is yeah go to a professionals for advice not to me <laughs> yeah, like that's the advice <laughs> there are some good professionals out there to give you some good advice yeah like yeah. thanks amy it was a pleasure meeting sure. you thanks for joining us uh, and see you all and thank you so much for having me